Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. I am your host and blonde bombshell Kerrigan. And no, Van Helsing is not here tonight. Sorry. You'll have to listen to my voice all night long. Uh, Ron is off doing ghostology at Circles of Wisdom up in Andover. And uh, with our special guest from the UK, Steve Parsons. Ghost, uh, ghost hunter extraordinaire, apparently. The uh, gold standard, according to the Wall Street Journal, and this is Ron always says. But at any rate, also a very nice guy. Uh, we had a wonderful weekend this past weekend at Spirit Quest up at the VC Estate in Groveland, Mass. And uh, met a lot of wonderful people. I know... Uh, if anybody has been on our page, they've noticed uh, Stephen Scott, who is a uh, spiritualist medium from Scotland. He came over with his lovely wife, uh, Vari, and it was a pleasure to meet both of them. And he is a fantastic medium, I have to say. He uh, gave me a wonderful reading and, uh, you know, uh, said my father was there and all kinds of good things. <laughs> um, everybody likes to hear from their dad, right? So um, at any rate, we also had Steve Parsons there at uh, Spirit Quest, and uh, he is just a fantastic wealth of information. Um, talked to us about his paranormal investigations in the U.K., and uh, managed to wrangle his way out of the amazing Viano's handcuffs, <laughs> which was a trick in itself and uh, was quite enjoyable to watch, actually, <laughs> because I think he was about to give up and then uh, managed to wriggle out of them. So that was a lot of fun. Um, numerous other people. Uh, I don't know if anybody is listening tonight. I sure hope they are. Uh, we had a lot of people that we see at many of our investigations, and I just want to say thank you to everybody for being so kind to me, and it was so much fun to speak with everybody, and we had a uh, we had a steampunk uh, ghost hunt, which was very cool, and, uh, you know, it was kind of like having Halloween early, so we had a really lot of uh, creative costumes. And uh, I really applaud everybody who participated in that. You all looked fantastic. And uh, hopefully we will be doing that again, <laughs> maybe next year. Uh, but anyway, so Spirit Quest, I feel, is a smashing suggest, uh, success. Sorry. Thank you, Ron Kolek, for organizing all of that. And uh, we look forward to next year's event, which I'm sure will be even bigger and better. But tonight, uh, we are going to be speaking with someone who is a very close friend of mine, and she has written her second book. Uh, 
question. Um, I, I'm sorry, Elizabeth, I forget the, the title of the first one. But the second book is really dealing with the paranormal field, and it is called Touring the Bridgewater Triangle. And we would like to welcome Elizabeth Russell. Hey, Hi. So happy to be here. Oh, I am so wonderful. I'm so I'm so wonderful. I am wonderful. But anyways, you are I'm wonderful. so happy. Don't forget that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy to have you here. And Elizabeth is down in warm, sunny Florida. Yeah. And, uh, well, I wouldn't say sunny. I'm in Miami. Yeah. It's raining every day. Oh. Um, it's raining that's, every day. That's what it does. It, yeah, we've had rain at least half the day every day since I've been here. Oh, that's it's, it's that time of year, you know. Oh. It's hot. It's raining. It's buggy. And it's so kind of hurric- that's, that's it- life in the swamp. Yeah. <laughs> is it still hurricane season? Yeah, hurricane gone? season runs from the beginning of June to the end of November. So, oh my God. Um, oh yeah, every year, like yeah. clockwork. But we haven't had anything that I know of. Um, when I was down here in the spring, there was a tornado. There were lightning strikes. It was. <laughs> You know, pretty crazy. Um, so who knows what will happen, you know, in the next three months. I'm here until December. But um, while, let's see, over the summer I was home. Mm-hmm. That's and right. And I had been your guest, which was nice. Um, <laughs> yes, and I enjoyed myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I decided just in case that I was going to work on a little project. I didn't know if I was going to do anything with it. But um, I had been tossing this idea around for several years mm-hmm. with another friend of ours, and neither one of us was really moving very fast on creating a tour book of the Bridgewater Triangle. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so this summer, I decided, just in case, while I'm home, right. I'm going to take the pictures and see what happens later. Mm-hmm. And the more I took the pictures, the more I really wanted to put this together. And um, it is by no means an exhaustive list of everything haunted in the Bridgewater Triangle. <laughs> but <laughs> this is true. it's definitely um, the highlights. Mm-hmm. Um, I talk about four different locations, and I give you the information as far as being able to find them for 13 of them, and one of which, the 14th one, I'll tell you why I didn't. But, um, okay. you know, it, a lot of these are my favorites. Some of them I had not explored or I was supposed to explore and didn't. Um, Mm -hmm. Right. But um, I think these are really the big highlights of the Bridgewater Triangle. That uh, A lot of bang for your buck if you go. (laughs) I definitely agree. And, I mean, just looking at this list, it's absolutely the highlights. And uh, what an excellent idea because how many times, you know, People go out and they go on the Internet, you know, oh, haunted locations. But you don't, you might find plenty of information, but it really doesn't tell you how to get there. Yeah. So I think this was an excellent idea, and I'm sure a lot of people will appreciate it. I certainly hope so. I think this is one of those things, like, I would be so honored if it ended up there with, like, um, Charles Turek Robinson's book, you know, New England Hauntings, or <laughs> something that Chris Balzano has done, something like that. You know, I would be so honored if it was, you know, uh, one of those books um, mm-hmm. that you just refer to. And 
I really enjoyed putting it together, and I think that um, I may expand on it in the future, maybe next summer when I'm home. Sure. So, uh, you know, create a second volume. And sure, why not? And we'll do some more. Or even today when I was uh, putting together my notes for uh, this, this um, program tonight, I mm-hmm. started thinking about something else, and that might be one of my next projects, too. Great. So you never know. <laughs> Try to oh, keep well, an open mind. Yeah. Well, that's that's excellent. And I think that, you know, in an Internet age, we we do need a little bit of a guidebook. Um, yeah. So I think this is going to be really helpful. And just in, in going through the book, um, you know, you speak a little bit, just a little bit about, you know, each spot, you know, what people – just to give them just a, a little bitty bit of the history, and you just kind of put it in a nutshell, and it's part, you know, it's perfect, you know, for those who want to go out and uh, and find the spots. And while we're talking about, uh, you know, the book itself, where can people get the book? They can get the book on Amazon, uh, mm-hmm. just Amazon.com. Type in "Touring the Bridgewater Triangle: A Thrill Ride Through the Supernatural." Mm-hmm. Um, they can get it there. Uh, it's available in paperback and Kindle. And I apologize. The paperback price is $9.99. I would have rather have had it be a lot cheaper because it's not a big book. Mm-hmm. But because there's color photos that I thought were pretty important to this tour guide, the price has to be a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. However, the Kindle version is only $2.99. You know, so if you've got a Kindle, I right. think that's probably your best bet. And, you know. <laughs> In this day and age with technology, why not have a Kindle? Oh, right. Um, but, that's, yeah. yeah, that's what I did. I just downloaded it right onto my iPad because I have the Kindle app. Um, cool. So if you have an I'm iPad. Pretty, you, hmm? I'm pretty impressed. Well, I know. See, I, I can sometimes handle technology. And <laughs> yeah, that's like the extent of it. It's been um, working yeah. against me all week. I've had a very frustrating week, so... I'm surprised any technology that I touch is still working. Yeah, <laughs> yep, it's one I, of those times. I know, exactly. Internet oh in Florida is never good, and it's been really bad this week. So You know, um, I, I almost think, like, I'm like, is there some funky astrological event happening? Because everybody I know is having problems with electronic devices. You honestly. know, it could be one of two things, and... Maybe I'll check this when we get offline, but it, it might be Mercury retrograde because that can mm-hmm. screw things up. But there yep. also could be a solar flare, and the solar flares will interfere with electronic devices. Really? So, yeah, so it could be one of two things. I'm hoping it's not Mercury retrograde. That's my least favorite time. Uh, um, so let's let's just hope for a solar flare. Let's pray for a solar flare. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Honestly, you know, this has just been – the last week has just been super trying. Like, everything at work just doesn't want to work. But anyways, to get back to the book, um, yeah. yes, I and uh, so I did download it to my iPad. So that is really handy because um, then I know I tend to bring my iPad with me a lot of places. So if you're out and about, uh, you have it with you. You don't have to worry about, you know, the book. Um, exactly. And so, plus, on top of it, like you said, I don't go into – um, great depth on right. each of the sites. It's mm-hmm. basically a quick synopsis about what is rumored to have happened at that location. Mm-hmm. And what I wanted to do was one of two things. 
Okay. I figure the people that are buying the book already know a lot about the site. Mm-hmm. So they don't necessarily need me to, you know, go on in some exhaustive way about what's going on there. Mm-hmm. They're really looking at the tour book. So they're looking right. to get to that location. Right. The other thing is maybe you don't really know, but it might spur you on and excite you when you go in and do some more research on your own and maybe discover things that no one else knew about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you could come at it from both ways. That's true. And I know that, you know, after you've kind of been in this, I mean, I'll say the paranormal field, I mean, yes. for a while, you forget what it was like to be a newbie, to be, you know, discovering new things and to be new in the field, and you don't know where okay. everything is. So, Oh, my gosh, no. Yeah, you know, you, you forget about that. And, yes, people, not everybody knows where Anna Juan Rock is. Okay? No. Or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, like, some of these sites are right under your nose, and you don't even realize what's going on on that location. Right. And, you know, Anawan Rock is a great place to start. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually start the book in Dighton, and you can follow, you know, all the sites from Dighton all the way up to Bridgewater. Mm -hmm. But I'd like to start the story at Anawan Rock because I think that that could be the crux of where all this is. And I attribute this and credit uh, Kristen Good's research because uh, she's just done some phenomenal work Mm, as far as uncovering the possible reason why this area is so active. Mm -hmm. And she ties it into King Philip and King Philip's War. And one of the well, a pivotal point towards the end of the war was it took place right at Anawan's Rock, and it's actually named after Chief Anawan. King Philip was the king of the, or the, the main chief of the Wampanoag, Wampanoag. And please forgive me if I get some detail incorrect. It's not intentional. <laughs> okay. But at any rate, he was the main guy. Mm-hmm. His uncle, Chief Anawan, was his number two guy. And so by this point, King Philip has been killed, and it's just Chief Anawan. Now, there was a notorious uh, Indian fighter named Benjamin Church. He was tasked with bringing in Anawan in hopes that they could bring the end of the war about. And kind of like uh, us trying to find Osama bin Laden, you'd get (laughs) um, intel about where he was, Mm -hmm. and then you'd get there, and he was gone, you know? That's well, a great analogy. Just, what's that? <laughs> that is really a great analogy. It really is. It is. It is. Yes. Because that's what it came down to. He mm-hmm. found out that Anawan had set up camp at this giant rock. Now, the, this rock is right on Route 44 in Rehoboth. If you've seen the sign, Bay State Auto Sales, if you look next to it, there's a smaller sign that says, that's right on the road that says Anawan Rock. They've actually even put a brand new sign up <laughs> that's right on the road. Thank know? God. So when you approach the rock from the road, you're looking at it, and it slopes upward away from you. Mm-hmm. And so what happened was Anawan had set up camp on the far side of the rock, and Benjamin Church had captured two, a father and a daughter that had, were walking away from the camp and told them that he'd spare their lives if, he told, if they told him where Anawan was, so 
they agreed to do that because he was sparing their lives. And so they told uh, Benjamin Church that he had to approach going up over the slope of the rock mm-hmm. and then down the side, the backside, which is like a steep cliff. And it's right. like maybe 15, 20 feet, but you had to go up and then down. And okay. that's where you'd find the camp. If you went around the rock, you stood a good chance of being shot. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the the father and the daughter, they take him up the rock, and he basically stumbles right on Anawan and his son. Uh-huh. So they don't really exchange any words. They just kind of look at each other silently for most of the night. Benjamin Church falls asleep and wakes up and finds out everyone that's supposed to be keeping watch over Anawan <laughs> has fallen asleep, and Anawan <laughs> is just sitting there looking at him. So they exchange um, a couple of words, I think it was, and then Anawan just gets up, he goes, and he comes back with a bundle. And in the bundle are two wampum belts, one of which was King Philip's war belt. And it was it, it went like the length of from the ground up over, uh, up over Benjamin Church's shoulder and then back down to the ground again, which I think the guy was about 5'10". I'm not sure, but something. He wasn't a short guy. Wow. Um, and then another belt, two horns of glazed powder and a red blanket. And he turned them over to Benjamin Church um, saying that, all right, it's pretty clear you guys have won. Mm-hmm. These are the, you know, the property of the king. I'm surrendering them to you. And so... Um, Benjamin Church uh, takes them and assures uh, Inawan that he's not going to kill him, but he does have to take him to Plymouth. But in the, before he gets him to Plymouth, he takes him to his own house, hosts Inawan at his own house in Rhode Island for a couple of days, takes him to Plymouth, ah. and then he falls out on a hunt, and um, while he's gone, Inawan is killed. Ah. And then Benjamin Church just wonders if he had been there, if he could have had his life spared. Mm-hmm. So right. Kristen's theory is that after Benjamin Church had the belt, the belt was never seen again. Right. So her theory is that the area may be cursed until the war belt is returned to the Wampanoag people. Mm-hmm. So that's a great theory. at any rate, from mm-hmm. this point forward, the rock starts taking on this lore that there's um, drums coming from the area. Like, you can hear drums. You can hear, you see dancing lights. Um, and some even say they've heard um, stand and fight in native tongue. Wow. And considering that Anawan just quietly surrendered, I don't okay. necessarily think it was him saying that, but there, it could have been because it was in the thick of King Philip's bat, uh, war, it right. could have been from another you know, battle that took place in that area. That's true. So, and, I mean, so, King, King Philip's War encompassed a huge, huge area. I mean, it went from Rhode Island to Massachusetts, and, you know, it was a really, really big area. Yeah, it actually did. Um, and there were battles all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rehoboth had several, you know, between Rehoboth and Taunton. Right. And the thing about... The location of Anawan Rock and how this book kind of um, navigates its way through the the triangle is that Route 44 um, plays a pretty pivotal role. Mm -hmm. And what Route 44 was, 
long before the Pilgrims arrived, was the main road between the area of Providence and Plymouth. And the Indians would travel this road back and forth. So for thousands of years, this Mm -hmm. has already been a main route. Right, yeah. Now it's like this big deal, you know, it's still a main route through the um, through St. Philip's War. And it's just really strange because several of the, of the haunted locations are right near Route 44. Yes, they definitely so it fall. It kind of makes me think there's something going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they do. They fall right along that route, which would make sense. I mean, yeah. you know, you're talking about uh, Native American, uh, possibly curses. Um, and and history, I mean, you know, you can't. You talk about uh, residual things. Um, of course, you're going to find that along that kind of historical trail. So exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I am a big believer that um, there can be emotional imprints mm-hmm. that kind of fan out like ripples in a in a puddle. You know, when right. a raindrop hits water. And I think that you still feel that, you know. And it's not like we forget traumatic times in our lives. Right. So I think somehow that just continues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really so, valid theory, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that I noticed, I lived in Taunton for about 15 years, and I lived right on Route 44. Mm-hmm. And... um it was my first real experiences with the paranormal. I mean, like a lot of people wondered about it, was intrigued by it, scared, terrified. <laughs> but it wasn't until I moved into one of the more notable homes on Route 44 in Taunton that I started having paranormal experiences <laughs> that, you know, of course at first I dismissed it, but mm-hmm. when it's happening consistently, and the same thing over and over again, and there's no other explanation, and you have investigated, you know, <laughs> and you can't find a reason why these snowmen keep moving, or, you know, <laughs> you're hearing footsteps up and down a staircase that is no longer there, and it's every night, every day. Wow. And no one's going up those stairs. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you just, you start to think there's something else going on, and this was about the time that Ghost Hunters was, came on sci-fi, and we were all hooked on it. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. It was just something. Oh, yeah. We, we all, are. It all it spoke to us, you know. <laughs> wow. And, and it connected that, yeah. you and me. Yes, it did. It did. And so, you know, and I ended up not long after, a few years later, 2008, I opened a business called Bay State Paranormal Center. Mm-hmm. and met a ton of interesting people through that and um, learned an awful lot. Right. But one thing that happened were people were calling me, and they were saying, we're having this problem, this is going on, uh, I don't know what to do about it. Granted, there were a couple of people, little Fruit Loops, that's <laughs> normal. <laughs> oh, uh, but, no, really? Fruit Loops? No, I've never run across loops, that in, but in my investigation. Part, I mean, they were just such a small fraction. Yeah, I know. But for the most part, it was just normal, everyday people. Completely sane and, people like me and you. Yeah, well, <laughs> if we're or normal everyday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. But um, what happened was I started taking notes, and... If I had known I was going to write this book, I would have kept the note. 
Mm. But what I noticed was that I was getting a lot of calls from a little area in time. Mm-hmm. And when I was writing the book, I was trying to figure out how to fit this in. And I ended up creating a little triangle, little Taunton triangle. Uh-oh. And, yeah, I know, <laughs> triangle within the triangle. And it <laughs> essentially extends from Highland Street on Route 44 down to Cohannet, and then from Cohannet down to Highland. And in that area, you know, give or take a street here and there, I was I was getting a lot of reports. And there were reports about um, figures on staircases. You know, one house, she's like, I just keep seeing this man on a staircase. Mm-hmm. He comes down a step, and then he's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, someone saying that almost every night around 5, 6 o'clock, they would hear phantom steps, like footsteps on their front porch. And there was no one there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would just, you know, happen repeatedly. Right. Um, someone, again, I was having moved items, things were moving, but someone else saying, you know, I move it here, I come back, it's moved over there. <laughs> um, and blinking lights, like they couldn't understand what was going on with the electrical lights in their house. They'd changed everything. They'd had an electrician in, couldn't figure it out. Um, doors were opening and closed, it closing, and there weren't drafts. The floor was, it was just, just strange things like that. Um, wow. Okay, hold that, are, hold that are, thought for a minute because we are coming up on our break. I think I probably, okay. I may have about 30 seconds left. So I just um, keep that thought. We'll come back to it after the break. And I just okay. want to let everybody know that you're listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation, and usually Ron Kolek is here, but he is off tonight. So you're listening to The Blonde Bombshell, Ian Kerrigan, and we will be heading into the break, and after the break we will talk more about the triangle within the triangle, the triangle within the Bridgewater Triangle, the Taunton Triangle. So hang on for just a few seconds, and we'll be back after these messages. Can you hear me? My name is Harry Price. I am speaking to you via the medium of the Ghost Box. Many of you will know I carried out the first live radio broadcast from Haunted House way back in 1936 for the BBC. Now, thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I am still able to keep abreast of 21st century ghost hunting by listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet, Parax Radio, The Ghost Channel, and even on something called a podcast. Two splendid chaps host it. One is an American who calls himself New England's own Van Helsing, although I have discovered his real name is Ron Kolek. The other is Stephen Parsons, and he is a paranormal scientist. Well, mustache, I am required elsewhere on something called a K2. But don't forget, I'll be listening in every Tuesday from 8 o'clock in Great Britain and 3 o'clock on the American Eastern Seaboard. I trust you will join me there. Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. 
Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. And welcome back to Ghost Chronicles and Next Generation with Ron and Anne, Sans Ron, and our special guest this evening, Elizabeth Russell, author of Touring the Bridgewater Triangle. Welcome back. Thanks, Anne. <laughs> You're welcome. So um, I did was, I did want to say before we go further, I would like to thank you because I just noticed the dedication in your book. Oh, yeah. Which includes my name. Thank you very much. That is wicked sweet. Um, Yep. And I appreciate it. So, anyways. No, I mean, it couldn't, all of this, you know, it was you, Kristen, Derek, and Chris Pittman. When I think about my experience, I just, you guys are are like the pivotal point, you know, you're part of my square in this Mm -hmm. triangle. And I just, You know, you all added something to it, you know, Uh and I just, I couldn't see not thanking you in some way for that, you know, it was, Uh it's important, but yeah. That is very sweet, and I appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, we were talking about the triangle within the triangle. Yeah, and, and, you know, I, it's kind of hard because I'm, I want to say in this particular house, it's right there. Here's the address. And in this house, there's the address and mm. so on and so forth. Mm. But it just brings up, you know, the whole topic, topic of the house in Rhode Island that was the place of the conjuring. And I would never want to do uh, that to somebody. Oh, know? right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah um, they've had but, massive problems. Yeah. Yeah. And even the Horbine School in Rehoboth, which is reputed to be haunted, but it really probably isn't. Um, because the Horbine School is an old-fashioned schoolhouse that they use for a long time. And once a year, the third grade gets dressed up in period clothes. They go back and do an old-fashioned lesson. So one day, some old lady drives up and looks in the window, sees this going on, and thinks that the place is haunted. And, you know, the teacher gave her an aggravated look. I'll tell you, as a teacher, I've got some... Some lady looking in the window disrupting my class, you're going to get more than an aggravated look. But yes. <laughs> because of that one thing, people have just, they're convinced the place is haunted, and it's not. And the sad thing is, is that people come and they take mementos from the building, oh, and it's caused a lot of damage over the years that the historical society just can't afford to fix. That's terrible. So, you yeah. know, that's one of the main things, that when you go to visit these locations, Mm-hmm. You know, leave it better than you found it. Leave Please. it for your children's children and right. have respect for the people that live in and around that area. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Right. You know. Hey, like the Boy Scouts, leave no trace. 
okay? Exactly. Go and look. Right. Um, I don't know why people are compelled to to do that. And uh, it does, does, uh, you know, it's vandalism. It's vandalism. So don't do it. Right? It's like we all want a piece, Mm. you know, to to bring it home with us. And, (laughs) and, you know, when you're getting into haunted locations, you don't know what you're bringing home with you. That's true. That's true. Yeah. You might want to, you know, rethink that. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's really inviting bad karma in, you know. And Definitely. On top of it, you really don't know what you're bringing home sometimes. <laughs> yes. No, but. you don't. And, I mean, I have to say, um, when uh, my team, East Bridgewater's Most Haunted, went in and we did an investigation at the White Mansion, um, it's a very, very cool house. Um, yeah. It's it's just a, a – it's got three – like three full floors, and uh, it's just it's it's got that really cool kind of Victorian mansard roof, and um, just yeah, you know you feel it. And I think especially in the basement, I remember going down to the basement, and uh, Mike Markowitz was there doing his EVPs, and yeah, yeah he just got some really uh, unhappy, <laughs> unhappy things yeah. down there. I recall. As I recall, yeah, so. between the basement and the the third floor mm. of that um, house, there was, you know, I remember, and I don't remember exactly what the EVP said, but I do recall that they were malevolent. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, the first and second floor, you know, happy-go-lucky. Um, mm. The house was built in 1875, and um, it had a long-term resident, William White, that lived there. He was a state senator. He was uh, president of the Grange. He had a very successful horse and not horse and buggy, but a buggy business where he mm-hmm. built carriages oh, downtown, right. right in downtown Taunton. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes his carriages come up for sale on eBay. Wow! Um, but he was a very notable figure, and actually, you know, investigating with you guys—that was the first time I'd ever been exposed to anything like that. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing what we got, you know, as far as EVPs from that house, because um, one of them certainly sounded like a house servant um, asking a question. Right. Um, there were so many tenants over the years that were in and out of that house that they left their imprint as well. Right. Um, I'm convinced that one of, like, one of my really saddest days was imprinted in the bathroom because two mediums that we had come in picked up on that. And, you know, I didn't tell anyone about that day. (laughs) You know, I was just really sad. But, Uh um, you know, all sorts of things. And this was the house that I've had so many experiences in and what started it for real for me. Um, You know, I had things moved. I think the creepiest thing was this clock that I had. Uh, that I got at the Christmas tree shop, and it was just this cute little clock with a, a roof and a screwed-on face and a pendulum. Uh-huh. And, you know, was sort of resembling like a cuckoo clock. And I was like, this is really cool. It fell, and it had fallen in the night, and it was on like a J-hook. And instead of falling straight down with the J-hook, it was across the room. Oh, my God. That was, yeah, and I thought that was really strange, you know. Uh, and I yeah. picked it up. Picked it up, put it back on the on the wall, 
And then maybe a couple months later, I was getting ready for work, and I was standing there. My cat was standing there. And all of a sudden, we look at the clock. It lifted up, and it went in an upward arc and then fell on the floor. Holy crap. Like, <laughs> it defied gravity, oh. <laughs> you know. And the face of the clock came completely unscrewed. It was just, you know, and it just became this creepy clock. And, you know, between the noises um, that I started hearing and couldn't explain, uh, for years I'd lived there and always had a neighbor that lived above. And I had, I just figured, hey, they drop something heavy every so often, almost <laughs> like every Saturday night. I don't know yeah. what's going on, but it seems to be a ritual. And they can't seem to stop running up and down the stairs. I don't get this. Uh-huh. Well, the neighbors moved out, and it was vacant for almost two months. Uh-huh. There was no one up there, and yet all this noise was going on. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, wow. you know, it was creepy, you know. Yeah. And it was just, it was interesting, you know. And there's so many more, so many other things that happened in that house. But mm-hmm. I ended up moving 15 doors down, right. same street, Route 44, and saw my first apparition, and that was strange. Like it, it was one. You know, it was a dog, and oh yeah, it was like I could see the negative. You know, when you're looking at a photo, like the negative of dog, and I swear I could see the molecules, the atomic molecules, <laughs> struggling to like keep his form. It was a black dog. He had, like, a collie face, and he had fluffy, curly-ish kind of hair. And he was, like, a medium-sized dog. And he was, he was just sitting there on my bed looking at me, ah, looking at him. That's funny. I'm like, okay. And he was there for at least two minutes. And then the molecules just kind of, like, floated away, and he just dissipated. Wow. And that's cool. And it was just really strange. Yeah, it was really cool. Mm-hmm. And. It was all during this period of time where there were things falling off the wall in this particular part of the hall. Mm-hmm. They'd been up there for a couple of years, never a problem. Right. And then these shelvings just they just kept falling, and there was no reason for it. Right. You know, I'd put them back up, make sure it was secure, fall down again. <laughs> and then, you know, the other thing was that my cat's food dish, which I never really felt, put, you know, would fill up fully. Right. There was always, like, food everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it just started happening, you know. It's just really strange. So <laughs> your cat wasn't normally that messy. No, he was not. You know, and he didn't eat a lot either. So <laughs> no, that's um, true. Just you know, some just odd things that was just happening. And mm. you know, prior to having the business, I thought it was just me. Ah. But it turned out like it was happening all in my area. Like it was just this hot spot. Right. So. There's a cemetery that is at one of the vertices of this triangle in Taunton. Mm-hmm. And there's some really notable people that are buried there. There's several mayors there. Um, there is a governor. There's uh, veterans from every war, starting with King Philip's War, on mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. But William White, the owner, the original owner of the White Mansion, is buried there as well. Ah, Okay, and it's, so, it's right yeah. next to, it's right near the house, right? Yeah, yeah. Very close. Yeah. And it was during one of the investigations that we did at his house. Remember the rocker? Mm-hmm. And we couldn't figure out how the rocker was moving? 
but we were sitting there still. No one's moving, and the rocker is going back and forth. (laughs) We love that. We love it when that happens. (laughs) Yeah. And I always thought that that was, if I ever saw a rocker moving like that, I think I'd have to be locked up. I wouldn't be able to handle it. It was just, it was really cool. And it's really cool to try to figure out why this stuff is happening. Right. Now, this um, cemetery, it's uh, Mount Pleasant? Is the Mount cemetery? Pleasant, yeah. Yeah, Mount okay. Pleasant Cemetery, and it's mm-hmm. right at the Mount, uh, right on um, Cohannet Street. Cohannet Street. Um, but it's a, it's a pretty, it's a very pretty garden cemetery, and it's definitely worth a look. Mm. Um, I, I still have not made it over there. I need to get over there. Can't believe I've been. You definitely do, Anne. Can't believe I've been. I've, I've been to the other one. I've been to Mayflower, Mayflower Hill. That's in right. And that has. That's and that's also in your book. Uh, that is also in my book. And that um, cemetery is a very large cemetery. It's huge. And mm-hmm. it's located on Broadway. And in Taunton, Broadway doesn't have a suffix like street or lane or anything like that. It's just Broadway. Mm-hmm. But it's on the corners. It's located between East Britannica or Britannia. Oh, great. Now I forget. But East Britannica <laughs> and um, Washington Street. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this this cemetery is so huge that it's very popular with people that like to walk for exercise. Right. So mm-hmm. pretty much any time of the day, you can find people walking around there. And people started reporting seeing this little girl playing around one particular um, gravestone. And it's the gravestone of uh, Pearl French. And what the story is, is that Pearl French, um, back in the late 1800s, was told to sit in her chair and not move. Unfortunately, the house burnt down around her and she was killed. And, you know, sadly, but um, the the grandparents were so distraught that they had a rocking chair monument placed at her gravesite. And so that's what people have reported her playing around. Now, the thing is, it's very true that Pearl died. She was um, a young child, I think four or five years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, she lived in Taunton. She had grandparents that had that monument made, but she did not die in a fire. She okay. actually died of spinal meningitis. Oh, that's terrible. And her young cousin, Viva, is, died of the same thing a few years later, and she's buried right next to her. No one seems to have seen Viva, but for all we know, it could be Viva playing around the rocking chair. That's true. That's yeah. true. And that that is a really cool monument, and uh, I have been to this cemetery. Um, there's not a lot of uh, other two remarkable stones over there. It's really pretty much um, it's a real working-class cemetery. There's not a lot of ornamentation, um, but there's this cool little girl's rocking chair, and, okay, I have to say my pet peeve here is that, so it's a child's monument, there's a rocking chair, people feel compelled to leave stuffed animals there, and little toys, and whatever other doodads that they throw out here on this monument, and this is a pet peeve of mine because I understand that maybe people have a connection they they say, oh, this poor, sad little girl, I'm going to leave her a toy. Well, 
they're all wet and soggy and they're overflowing on the graves and it's just a yeah. big mess. And you know what? It's not your graves. It's if you don't have a connection to it, if you want to leave a coin, leave a coin. Um yeah. don't leave a big teddy bear and and everything that's just going to sit out in the elements and get gross and fall apart and just make a big mess. I just, you know, it annoys me. It annoys yeah. me. Yeah. I know people yeah. think they're paying respect, but say a prayer and and, and go along. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Yeah. I've yeah. just Pray voiced my pet peeve. Maybe she's crossed over by now. Not sure. Yeah. But I mean, I, leave a I, flower. I, leave a flower. Yeah. But oh, my God. A flower would be so nice. And when you go to this grave, it's just a mess. It's a mess. Yeah. It, it's not, I think they do clean it periodically because mm-hmm. um, otherwise it would be overflowing. Oh, yeah. With, um, with yeah. toys and items and, yeah. you know, things that have been ruined. But mm. they they absolutely have to um, clean it up periodically. But I have to say, you know, when you go there, you don't see destruction around it. People are very respectful, um, you know, of the walkers, of the graves around it. It's right. not a cemetery that's been vandalized and ruined. No. But, <laughs> There's one further down the road that does that. But anyways. Yeah, and actually <laughs> um, there is. There's one as you um, go towards the Taunton Green. Mm-hmm. There's a cemetery on your left. And Elizabeth Poole, who was one of the original purchasers of right. Taunton, Mm-hmm. She is buried in there. Yes, and uh, and there's so many old graves in there that that's, that's a very um, old cemetery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very old cemetery, and you know, I I don't know for certain, but I believe the city of Taunton maintains it. But I, you know, from the looks of it, it doesn't get a lot of attention or they money. Yeah, they don't do a good job. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you there know, is no maintenance but, there. Considering, you know, like the mother of Taunton is, you know, yeah. buried there, you know, and actually her uh, her original grave is down um, on the green just as you start on Main Street. Um, mm-hmm. As you head uh, 44 East on Main Street, um, I'm trying to think what's right there, but someone had bought that property from her estate and was uh, building their home. Oh. There's no homes there now. It's all uh, storefront. Mm-hmm. But was building their home there and found her grave and had her grave moved from that location down to that cemetery where she is now. Oh, wow. Um, but that where she was buried, that was her original home site. Oh, wow. Uh, because oh, I what didn't know happened that. was when the town was uh, settled, mm-hmm. you know, they lived close in that area but they farmed all the way down. Wow. So Taunton Green actually extended all the way down um, quite a ways down 138, mm-hmm. and that was all farmland. Okay. Consequently, when captured Indians were being marched to um, Plymouth, they were passing through that area. Oh. So, you know, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of, like, stuff that's, that goes on down that area. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, it's very old. It's very historic. Yeah. Yeah, you know, suspicious fires, all that stuff, because there was a very famous hotel at the time that was also on the green Mm -hmm. um, over by where the old courthouse was. That burned to the ground. And then Mm -hmm. they built, you know, new buildings on top of of the foundation. And if you go down into the basement, you can see charred remains of Mm -hmm. the old building. 
No, that's that was cool. there from the from the fire. Very neat. That's yeah. nice. Well, we are we are dwindling down to the end here. So, did we want to cover a couple more areas in the book? Um, um, the Hockamock. Yeah. Do we want to talk about the Hockamock Swamp? I think yeah, the Hockamock Swamp would be very interesting to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hockamock Swamp, I did, um, was part of organizing a tour that uh, went through there in 2009. But it became famous, well, I think more noted when Joe DeAndre saw in 1978 79 what he saw was Bigfoot. Joe DeAndre, and, right? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. he's been on the hunt for that thing ever since. And as far mm-hmm. as I know, no one has seen one again over in that area. But it's not just. The, a Bigfoot that's been seen there. Out-of-place animals have been seen there. Right. UFOs as early as 1760 have been wow. seen in that area. Mm-hmm. Now, to the best of my recollection, recollection and book learning, we didn't have planes back then. <laughs> not so that I know of. <laughs> yeah. You were seeing something in the sky other than a bird, then it definitely was an unidentified flying object. And you might make note of it. But, um, you know, the swamp is a pretty interesting place to to go and explore. And it's definitely, it's something that you can spend the entire day doing. Mm -hmm. And if you do it right, you can even come up to one of the sides of Lake Nipponicket, which is also a very haunted location. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, the thing about Hockamock Swamp is that even before... King Philip's War, this was an area that was avoided even by the Native Americans in the area. Mm -hmm. And it was basically known as a place where spirits dwell. And there's an 8,000-year-old burial site in there that has been excavated. Um, But, you know, so if you've ever watched the old Westerns, they always stay away from Indian burial grounds. Right. (laughs) Because it's like, (laughs) you know, you don't want to go there. Bad juju. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very bad. So, you know, maybe you want to watch out for that, but um, there is some very interesting things. I would definitely say bring your bug spray. Oh, yeah. Also, be very careful because it's a very active area during hunting season, Uh and, you know, you don't want to become a ghost in that area. No. (laughs) Your life was ended too soon, you know, because you looked like a deer. Yes. It is, it's like, you know, it extends on both sides of 138, you know, where the Rainham Dog Track is and then, uh, you know, across. And you could spend a weekend just canvassing that area and looking for any kind of sign of anything. And, right. you know, it, just like with Freetown State Forest, that's a full-day adventure, you know. And we Absolutely. didn't even get to talk about that. But <laughs> I know. Um, And that also has... A King Philip tie-in, you know, yes. aside from everything else that goes there, goes on there, that has gone on there, King Philip is even tied into that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I really think that Kristen Good is on to something in that regard, you know? Oh, definitely. Yeah. And, and now, the Hockamock Swamp, um, is that where we have the Pukwudgies, or is that at Anawan Rock, or is it at both? I think it has to do with Freetown State um, Forest. That's Freetown? Okay. Yeah. So they're like, I'm pretty sure. are like little kind of demonic. Um, I've heard people. Re- hmm? 
they're like trolls. And let yeah. me just say, I am not the end-all, be-all expert on this stuff. Right. You know? <laughs> um, it's just what you've so, learned about it. Yeah. Yeah. Just I could have it wrong, you know, as far as Pukwudgies, but I'm pretty sure that it's um, Freetown State Forest. Mm-hmm. Um, like the day I was driving around there, at one point I was pretty lost. <laughs> I'm looking out the windows, you know, wondering if I'm being led astray by a Pukwudgie. <laughs> Where am I going to end up? <laughs> You well, know, I, so. I think I, I do think it is the Freetown because um, that's where the, the 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 legend goes that the Puckwudgies make people jump off the rock off the ledge. The, it's the sonnet, the sonnet ledge, isn't it? Yeah, I, I believe. And yeah. uh, the Puckwudgies are supposed to kind of influence your feelings and make you feel, you know, morose and and depressed, and you know, supposedly people have been lured to their death by leaping off the rock. Um, yeah, like and the I, feeling of of just compulsion to jump off the rock and end right. your life when right. you weren't feeling like that before you got there and you have no reason to feel like that. So, right, yeah. But it's also the location where King Philip was kind of realizing the end is coming, I'm at a turning point, not looking good. Um, so you know, maybe it has something to do with that as well. He did not jump off the rock. But, no. You know, maybe he was thinking, you know, because he, you know, with his body being, you know, quartered, he didn't fare uh, too well in the end. Oh, no. Oh, and I just heard our pizza from the dead doorbell. So uh, that means I get to eat soon. Thank God. <laughs> but um, I'm jealous. Uh, this uh, this has been a great um, a great interview, Lizzie. Thank you, and the, I think that the book is going to help a lot of people in their search for you know local paranormal areas. If you're uh, you're in this area, you know, hop onto Amazon and pick it up, and you can get it in the Kindle version, or you can get it in the paperback version if you want to just. Keep it in your glove box, yeah. right? <laughs> Absolutely. And also, please like the touring, um, the Bridgewater Triangle page on Facebook. Yeah. Um, you never know what's going to happen. I'm contemplating. I just ordered some of my own copies, and I think I might have a couple of contests and send out some free copies Ooh. of the book. Free, okay. free autograph copies. Oh, there um, you go. Yeah, because it's folks. hard to autograph your Kindle. <laughs> at any rate, um, I would love it if you would like me or like the books page. Um, and to answer or to answer the question before, my first book was called Behind the Clock, Aha. and that that is a novella for adults only. Ooh. There's a tinge of paranormal towards the end, but the second <laughs> um, uh, novella that I'm working on is all paranormal. Awesome. Awesome. Well, on that note, uh, I just have about 30 seconds left, so I want to say thank you so much, Lizzie, for being on my show. Great to talk to you, and um, I will talk to you again soon, I'm sure. So thank you, everybody, for listening. I appreciate you putting up with me without Van Helsing this evening. And I want you all to have a great week, and we will see you again next week for our live broadcast from East Bridgewater Community Television. Oh, and one last note, this coming Saturday, September 27th, the Bridgewater Triangle documentary, 
will be playing at East Bridgewater High School in the auditorium. So come on down. Tickets are 10 bucks. Students get in free. So, again, thank you for listening. Thank you, Lizzie. And thank you. God bless. Everybody have a great week. We'll see you next week. Good night. Bye-bye. Goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.